ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار مرحبا بكم جميعا أهلا وسهلا We continue with class number 15 from the sisters classes where we are covering the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha and matters of jurisprudence connected to the woman and benefits from the seerah of the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In the last class, with the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha, we covered more characteristics of the people of the book that it is upon us to stay away from. And so far we covered al-hasad, jealousy. This is a trait from the traits of the people of the book. Having jealousy for others to the point that we wish and hope and will love that the blessing is removed from others. Also, we cover the characteristic of stinginess. Stinginess is from the characteristics of the people of the book. And their stinginess is in the area of wealth and stinginess when it comes to the knowledge. The third characteristic we covered, not submitting to the truth due to it opposing someone that we follow. This is 
this is incorrect. Rather, it is upon us to submit. This is incorrect. Rather, it is upon us to submit to the truth when it reaches us. The fourth characteristic that we covered from the characteristics of the people of the book, distorting the words from their proper places. And this is a trait of those who were entrusted with the previous books that they would change the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the meaning or both and then come with something from themselves and say that this is from Allah the fifth characteristic al-ghulu fil makhluqin have an extremism when it comes to the creation. It is not allowed for us to have extremism towards anyone. Not even the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself He said, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم. Do not exaggerate regarding me like the Christians have exaggerated regarding Isa, the son of Maryam. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described himself Ana Abdullah wa Rasuluh I am the messenger of Allah and Afwan, I am the servant of Allah and his messenger Servant of Allah meaning That he is not to be worshipped, for he is not a deity. He is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather Allah's servant. Messenger of Allah means he is not to be disobeyed. For he is sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide the people. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has brought to mankind his guidance from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. As Allah Azawajal mentions, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيُ يُحَى And he doesn't speak from his desires. 
It is only revelation that is revealed to him. So that which the Prophet ﷺ conveyed to us, it is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not for us to challenge or question in a manner of challenging that which the Prophet ﷺ has brought because it is not from himself. It is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, وَمَنْ يُتِعِ الرَّسُولِ فَقَدْ أَطَعَ اللَّهِ And whoever obeys the messenger, he has obeyed Allah. So with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam having this great status, we do not have extremism towards him. Likewise, we do not have extremism towards any of the prophets and the messengers or anyone from amongst the righteous, whether they are scholars, whether they are students of knowledge, whether they are imams and the masjids, there's no extremism towards any individual. Rather, we are moderate in our love for anyone and we do not go beyond the legislative boundaries no one is to be raised up to the level of being loved like we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also be covered that from the ways of the people of the book, obedience to the creation and opposition to the rules and regulations of Allah. And this is not correct. Re regardless of how great a person's status may be from amongst the people, we do not obey them in disobedience to Allah. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned La Qa'ata Li Makhlukin Fi Ma'asiyatil Khaliq There is no obedience to creation and disobedience to the Creator. Allah, the Creator, has more right to be obeyed. And it is not allowed for us to obey anyone, and at the same time we're disobeying Allah. But it is upon us to obey Allah in all circumstances, even if we are going against the people.
except in that which the legislation has allowed for a person to do of disobedience out of compulsion or to save one's life. But other than that, there's no justification to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to please the people. The seventh characteristic, Allah Ta'ala this is Surah Al-Hadid, verse number 27. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, and this is an example brought by Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala But the priesthood which they invented for themselves we did not prescribe this upon them But they sought it only to please Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, فَمَا رَأَوْهَا حَقَّ رِعَايَتِهَا However, They did not observe it with the correct observance. This matter that is being mentioned here by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is something that you have some of the Muslims from amongst the Muslims being tested with this innovated methodology of asceticism. And I use the word priesthood for a reason. You have individuals and they stay away from things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not commanded them to stay away from as a means of getting near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we find from the Christians. 
we look at their priests, their priests stay away from marriage. And they say that they are devoting their lives to worshiping Allah or the monks, monkhood. They practice this monasticism, staying in the monastery, abstaining from the lawful worldly pleasures and enjoyments and delights. For what purpose? To get closer to Allah, as they claim. However, this is not the legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for none of the prophets and the messengers. And the prophets and the messengers were the closest of creation to Allah and they were the best worshippers. Yet you find them, they married, they had children, they enjoyed the lawful pleasures of this world and delights. One may say, well, what about the Prophet Jesus or Isa? When Isa alayhi salam returns, the second coming of the Messiah, it is mentioned in the narrations that he will marry. So this is not a justification. And even if that was, for argument's sake, legislated at that time, it is upon us to follow the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, for he is the Prophet of this Ummah. Remember the incident where the three men They came to the home of the wives of the Prophet Wasallam, and they asked his family about his worship Wasallam. So when they were informed, they looked at it as being something small. And they said, where are we? In comparison to the Messenger of Allah, he has been forgiven for his past and future sins, and we have not, so therefore we must do more. So one of them he stated, As for me, I'm going to fast every day, and I'm not going to break my fast, meaning he's going to fast every day of the year which is more than the fast of the Prophet David, Dawood salam. As the Prophet Dawood, he used to fast every other day. The other companion, he said, And as for me, I'm going to pray all night and not sleep during the night. 
The last one he said, وَأَمَّا أَنَا لَأَتَزَوَّجُ النِّسَاءِ And the last one he said, And as for me, I'm not going to marry women. I mean, I'm going to just dedicate my life to worshipping Allah. And one narration it mentions that one said, لَا أَأْكُلُ I'm not going to eat meat. When the Prophet ﷺ became aware of that which these individuals had said, he said to them, أَمَّا وَاللَّهِ إِنِّي لَأَتْقَاكُمْ لِلَّهِ وَأَخْشَاكُمْ لِلَّهِ I swear by Allah, indeed, I have the most piety of Allah than all of you, and I'm the most fearful of you to Allah. وَلَكِنَّنِي أَصُمْ وَأُفْتِرْ وَأُصَلِّ وَأَرْقُدْ وَأَتَّزَوَّجُ النِّسَاءِ فَمَنْ رَغِبَ أَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي So the Prophet ﷺ said, However, meaning even though I fear Allah the most and I have the most piety towards Allah than all of you, I, I fast some days and I break my fast some days. I pray a portion of the night and I sleep a portion of the night. And I marry. Meaning I don't stay away from marriage to dedicate myself to worship. I marry. So whoever desires other than my way, he's not from me. And we know that the Prophet Sallallahu also ate meat. Some may take from this, it is not permissible for one to be a vegetarian. It is allowed for a person to be a vegetarian due to health reasons. However, if a person is a vegetarian for the reason of staying away from eating meat to get closer to Allah, this is incorrect. Or a person is a vegetarian believing that killing animals is oppression, this is incorrect because Allah has allowed for us to slaughter animals in a certain way for food. So to say that it is oppression is to describe one of the legislations of Allah as being oppressive and this is incorrect. But if a person, for health reasons, doesn't eat meat because it is harmful for the individual, so the person supplements other foods for the meat, this is allowed. This is allowed. And even with the matter of eating meat, eating too much meat is not healthy for the individual anyway. But going back to the point here, one should not leave all things that Allah has made lawful for the purpose of seeking nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not what has been legislated. So the verse here,
establishes that this priesthood or monkhood that they have invented for themselves, Allah did not legislate this for them. Even though they only did it to seek nearness and closeness to Allah and to please Allah. Which shows, Barakallah Fikum, having good intentions is not enough. In order for your actions to be accepted by Allah, you have to have good intentions. Number one, your heart must be pure and clean and free from showing off or doing an act of worship to attain something from the worldly possessions. Worship is for Allah, not to be known or famous amongst the people or to be praised by the people or to receive something from this worldly life. So your intentions have to be sincere and pure. Number two, your act has to be in accordance to what Allah has legislated. It is not allowed for people to make up their own acts of worship. It's not allowed for the people to make up their own acts of worship. And I want to make a correction. Uh, I said vegetarian. I meant to say vegan. Nam dosu. We find those who stay away from eating the animals saying that they don't want to harm animals or killing animals is oppression. So therefore, they do not eat animals. No. And this is called a veganism. A veganism is the practice of abstaining from the use of animal products or particularly in diet. And an associated philosophy that says that animals are for food and the likes. They don't believe that animals should be treated in this manner. No. So going back to the point, along with having good intentions, the act must be an act that is legislated by Allah. If the person's intentions are good, but the act itself is not legislated, it's not accepted. If the act is legislated, 
but the person's intentions are not good, it's not accepted. If the person does something that's not legislated and at the same time the person does not have sincere intentions, it's rejected. So in those three cases, the act is rejected. As for the one who performs an act of worship sincerely and does that which is legislated, this is the one whose act is accepted by Allah. So these individuals, they invented this priesthood and monkhood seeking the pleasure of Allah. However, Allah did not legislate this for them. So that which they did and ordained for themselves was not done in a manner that Allah was pleased with. Meaning they did not do what Allah legislated. Who resemble these individuals from amongst us? Ahlul Tasawwuf, the people of Sufism. We find in the Tariqas innovative practices that they observe claiming that they are seeking nearness to Allah. So you'll find from amongst them those who wear old and raggedy garments to give the impression that the person is an ascetic. He observes asceticism. He abstains from the worldly delights. This is not the way of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبه مثقال ذرة من الكبر قال رجل يا رسول الله إن الرجل يحب ثوبه أن يكون حسنا ونعله أن يكون حسنا فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله جميل ويحب الجمال الكبر بطر الحق وغمت الناس وكما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet Sallallahu mentioned that whoever has the smallest amount of pride in his heart will not enter into the paradise. A person said, O Messenger of Allah, indeed you find that the person he loves for his garment to be nice and he loves for his footwear to be nice. The Prophet responded by saying, Indeed, Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. Meaning that there is nothing wrong with a person wearing good, nice clothing. Rather, this is something that is beloved by Allah. That when Allah blesses you with the ability to buy something nice for yourself and to wear something nice and to be one who 
looks presentable and the likes, Allah loves to see His blessings upon His servants. As long as we are not extravagant, and as long as we do not wear that which has been prohibited in Islam. As an example, men are not allowed to wear gold and silk, but this is allowed for the woman to wear gold and silk. So one can't use this narration to buy himself a silk shirt and to wear gold jewelry and saying, Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. Yes, these matters are from the matters of beauty in this life, but not for the men, for the woman, yes, but not for the men. Unless a man has a skin ailment to wear, it is a must that he wears silk clothing so as not to irritate the ailment. So the Prophet ﷺ clarified that Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. Then He went on to say, that pride is rejecting the truth and looking down upon the people. So that which we find being practiced by some of the people of Tasawwuf or Sufism of wearing dirty and raggedy clothing saying that this is a way that they stay away from the worldly matters and dedicate themselves to worshiping Allah. This is not legislated. Likewise, that which we find from amongst them of many practices that they have. These practices were not taught by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We move on. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. In the last class, we were still dealing with the matter of the siwak. Using the siwak for the purpose of cleaning one's teeth. Purification for the mouth and it is that which pleases our Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from the matters of fitrah, the natural disposition that the prophets and the messengers were upon. And we covered that the siwak should be used at the time of wudu, the siwaks should be used at the time of making salat, meaning right before you enter into the prayer, you clean your mouth. Also, the siwak should be used when one is about to recite the Quran. Also, the siwak should be used, you clean your mouth, when one first enters into his or her home. And this was the practice of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for what reason? So as not to offend 
his wife when he goes to her that he cleans his mouth so that his mouth has a pleasant smell so when he goes to his wife to kiss her to speak to her there is no offensive odor and this also applies to the woman as in Islam whatever goes for the men goes for the woman unless there is a clear text that shows that a matter is specifically for the woman excluding the men or a matter is specifically for the men excluding the woman as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned An-Nisa shaqa'iqur rijal that the woman they are the twin halves of men the women are the twin halves of men meaning that which is for the men is for the woman also be covered the siwak should be used when getting up from one's sleep and this is whether it is the sleep during the night or sleep during the morning as mentioned in the narration that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not go to sleep except that he had the siwak next to him and when he would wake up he would use the siwak and this is general so this covers uh sleeping at night as well as sleeping during the daytime Another point, Barakallahu Feekum, when dealing with the Siwak, is that the Siwak should be moist and not hard, so as not to damage one's gums or mouth and the person when using the siwak during these times and following the sunnah he should use his or her right hand As the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to love to do, to do things with his right. When he would put on his footwear, he would begin with his right. When he would brush his hair, he would begin with the right side, like that. So use the right hand. The question comes if a person uses other than the siwak to clean the mouth, does the person get the reward? 
some of the ulama they have mentioned that if you use other than the siwak for the cleaning of the mouth then the person has not performed the sunnah because the sunnah is the usage of the siwak and it has not come on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he used anything other than a siwak. And other scholars they mention rather that which is correct that what's best for a person to do is to use the siwak. Being that it is established that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used the siwak. But if the person does not use the siwak, especially when the person is in need of other than the siwak, to clean one's mouth, and the person has the intention of cleaning one's mouth to please his Lord and to purify his mouth, then the person receives the reward. Because the wisdom behind the usage of the siwak is the purification of the mouth number one and pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the purification of the mouth meaning to remove anything harmful for the mouth so this can take place with a toothbrush this can take place with a person's finger if he does not have a siwak with him. So he uses his finger to clean his mouth. So in this case, if the person does not have the siwak with him, and the person uses his or her finger, or uses the toothbrush to clean one's teeth, then the person, according to a group of the scholars, the person receives the reward for using the siwak even though something else was used if a person uses a toothbrush with toothpaste the person receives the reward however what is best is that the person uses the siwak As for the narration that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used or said that the usage of the fingers takes the place of the siwak, then this is da'if. This is da'if. But if a person, as an example, does not have a siwak, but they want to get the reward for the usage of the siwak and they use their fingers, then the person gets a reward. Likewise, the narration that mentions 
that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he was making wudu, he put some of his fingers into his mouth. Or Afwan, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu an, when he was making wudu, he put his fingers into his mouth to clean his mouth, and then he said, this is the wudu of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This narration is collected in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. And Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar al-Asqalani mentions in Al-Fath that it is the most authentic from the other narrations regarding the siwak with the usage of the fingers. However, it is also weak. This narration is also weak. So that which we have for us to use in relation to the siwak is that the siwak is a purification of the mouth. So whatever is used for cleaning the mouth from harm, purifying the mouth, it is considered that one has use the siwak but the best is to actually use the actual stick the oud for the cleaning of the mouth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a'lam Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd we continue with the benefits from the biographies of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. We left off with the story of how the Prophet ﷺ married Sauda bin Zama. We arrive to the point where the representative for the Prophet Khawla bint Hakim dakhalat ala Sauda bint Zama'a. She entered upon Sauda, the daughter of Zama'a. فَقَالَتْ مَاذَا أَدْخَلَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ عَلَيْكِ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَالْبَرَكَةِ She said, Oh, what has Allah entered upon you of good and blessings? So Sauda, she said, وَمَاذَاك? What are you speaking about? What is that? خَوْلَا, she stated, أَرُسَلَنِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَخْطُبُكِ عَلَيْهِ She said, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam sent me to propose to you on his behalf. And we covered before, this is an indication of the permissibility of a woman putting forth a proposal on behalf of a man to another woman. 
However, it is not allowed for a woman to marry a woman off. Meaning the woman cannot be the guardian of another woman. Rather, it is the mahram, the men, the father, the uncle, the brother, the son, the nephew. These are the ones who can represent a woman in marriage and marry her off. A woman is not to marry herself off in Islam, nor is another woman allowed to marry her off in Islam. So there she stated, وَوَدِدْتُ She says, I will love that. She said, أُدْخُلِي إِلَىٰ أَبِي فَذْكُرِي ذَاكَ لَهُ وَكَانَ شَيْخًا كَبِيرًا She said to Khawla, go to my father and mention that to him. And he was an older man. Here, Barakallah, Fikum Jami'an, This here is an indication that even from the practices of old, that a woman would be married off by her father. And likewise in Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stated, La nikaha illa biwali. That there is no marriage except with the guardian. And this is whether the woman is a virgin who's never been married before, or the woman has been married before she still is in need of a guardian to marry her off we have another narration The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned Ayyum ra'a Nakahat bi ghayri Wa nukihat bi ghayri idhni waliha Fanikahuha batil Fanikahuha batil Fanikahuha batil That any woman who is married without the permission of her guardian then her marriage is invalid, her marriage is invalid, her marriage is invalid.
if a woman does not have her father to represent her or a son who represents her or a brother who represents her or her uncle or the likes then the imam of the community or the one who is designated to handle the affairs of the woman in the community this is the one who marries her off but as for a woman marrying herself off to a man then this is not allowed in Islam and know barakallahu feekum that there is a great benefit in there being a guardian who represents the woman as many times a woman may want to marry a man based upon an emotional connection where she is caught up into her feelings she's attached to this man but the guardian is there to look out for her affairs and the guardian not having any emotional attachment to the situation he's looking at the situation with different eyes and he sees that which the woman she does not see due to her being blinded by her emotional attachment so he rejects the proposal and he has grounds for the rejection of the proposal this happens in many cases and this is one of the wisdoms why it is legislated that there be a wali so let the woman fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go through their fathers their muslim fathers and seek marriage the correct way or their muslim guardians and seek marriage the correct way and let the guardians be just and not oppress the woman that they are responsible for that if there comes a man who is suitable he has good character good religion and he's able to take care of the one who he is seeking her hand and then let the guardians fear Allah azza wa jal and move forward and marry them off especially in this day and time where evil is widespread and indecency is widespread and it's so easy for people to fall 
into adultery and fornication. Marriage is one of the ways that we protect the society from this indecency of adultery and fornication. But when the guardians are making the situation very difficult for the young woman to marry or the woman who are under their care to marry, and it's done without right, meaning the person does not have a justified reason to deny the person who is proposing, then this will lead to corruption in the earth. And there is a narration where the Prophet wasallam he mentioned this. Warning against turning down the suitor who is suitable. This narration comes on the authority of Abi Hurairah radiallahu an qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha khataba ilaykum man tardawna deenahu wa khuluqa fazawwijuh illa taf'alu takun fitnatun fil ard wa fasadun arid Abu Huraira radiallahu an mentioned that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated that when one who you are pleased with his religion and his character proposes to you, meaning for the hand of your daughter or the hand of your sister, the hand of your aunt, the hand of your niece, the one who you're responsible for, when one comes to you who you are pleased with his religion and his character, and he proposes to you, meaning for your ward, the one you are responsible for, marry him to her. If you do not do this, there's going to be fitna in the earth. And it is going to be tribulations in the earth, and there's going to be widespread corruption. So here in this case, the person does not have a justified excuse to reject the one who is proposing. So the prophet said, if you don't do this, there's going to be fitna on the earth. The fitna that's being spoken about and the corruption, or the widespread corruption that's being spoken about is the illegal sexual intercourse, adultery and fornication.
Because now when the men cannot get married and be with the woman in a lawful way, then the temptation is there to be with a woman in a manner that is unlawful. And likewise, when the women are prevented from getting married and being with a man in a lawful way, you'll find that they are goal to being with a, a man or men in a manner that is unlawful. Another matter of corruption that comes about is homosexuality and lesbianism. So the remedy for this social ill is to marry the woman off to men who are suitable for them, who have good religion, good character, and they are able to maintain and take care of them. A man, he said to Al-Hassan, قَدْ خَطَبَ إِبْنَتِي جَمَعَةٌ فَمَنْ أُزَوِّجُهَا قَالَ مِنْ مَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ حَبَّهَا أَقْرَمَهَا وَإِنْ أَبْغَضَهَا لَمْ يَظْلِمْهَا A man, he said to Al-Hassan, that a group of men have proposed to my daughter. Which one of these men should I marry to my daughter? So Al-Hasan, he said, marry her to the one who fears Allah. And the person, he's Allah-fearing. For indeed, if he loves her, he's, he will honor her. And if he dislikes her, he will not oppress her. SubhanAllah wa bihamdi. This was the character of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one who fears Allah. So the father of Sauda, knowing the character of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not oppose to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam marrying his daughter. Inshallah ta'ala, we will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubi ilaik.